So if you have a shaker, it would be really good to pop this under your chair at this point. And I'm just going to be talking for a few minutes with some little kind of reflections on the Easter story. And you know, it's a bit of a funny thing, really. I was thinking this week, how can I condense the truths of Easter into just a few minutes? And of course I can't. There's so much richness. As you look in your Bible, you will see so many things about who Jesus is, how he points to God, the way he shows that God loves us, the way he dealt with people, the way he treated people, the way people responded to him. There's so much in there. And so if you haven't had a chance to read the story this week, I encourage you to have a look at it when you get home. But why don't we just for a moment pause? And I, because the fact that Jesus died and Jesus rose again provides us with a wonderful truth. But actually, his presence is here. His spirit is here with us, here and now. And he wants to interact with each one of us. He wants to show us something about who he is, what he's like, what he does, however old we are. So whether you are little or big, whether you feel young or old today. So let's just have a moment of being quiet together, just tuning our heart and tuning our ears into him. Lord, come and tune in our ability to understand specifically from you what you have to say to us. Amen. And as a church family, over the past few weeks, we've been thinking about the theme of surrender. We've got a few definitions here of surrender. To surrender means to stop resisting, to submit to authority, to yield to somebody else, to give up claim to your rights. And that is beautifully demonstrated for us at Easter. And so today, I just had a few questions. I had four questions or four thoughts, really. We're just going to hang a few things on. When we're thinking about surrender, the first thing that struck me about Easter is that Jesus knew what was going to happen. He chose to surrender. And so the question is, well, so what's baptism got to do with it? Why are we celebrating baptisms today? And then what is our response? So we're just going to look at those four little pegs. They're things we're going to hang some thoughts on this morning. So the first is this, that Jesus knew what was going to happen. You know, some people, when they think about the events of Easter, they, oh dear, how sad Jesus died. And it was desperately sad. It was a terrible, terrible event. But in Luke 18, 31, it tells us that Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. It says this, Jesus took the 12, that's his 12 mates, off to the side and he said, listen carefully. We're on our way to Jerusalem. Everything written in the prophets, that's their kind of Old Testament of the Bible, about the Son of Man will take place. He will be handed over to the Romans, jeered at, ridiculed, and spit on. And then after giving him the third degree, they will kill him. In three days, he will rise alive. And so he's really clear about what's going to happen, isn't he? And yet it says this, but they didn't get it. Couldn't make neither head nor tail of what he was talking about. And sometimes for us, it's kind of hard to understand the events of Easter, even if we might have heard them many times. And so if you're in that place today, why don't you, just as we're thinking and reflecting about this story, just saying, God, would you just help me to understand 
Help me understand what this girl's talking about today. Help me understand what you're saying through this story. The amazing thing which we saw in that video was Jesus could have stopped it. The people said to him, come on, if you're God, you can get down off the cross. That's what the kids said in that video, didn't they? And he, Jesus is God. He could have ended the torture, the brutality. And yet he chose surrender. And after his last meal with his friends that we saw on the screen, he went to the garden with his friends and he prayed. And this is what's happened. In Matthew, it says this, he went with them, that's his friends, the disciples, to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two, sorry, he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John. You have to be careful where the commas are, don't you? All the English teachers amongst you. Peter and then James and John. And he became anguished and distressed. Of course he did, because he knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew he was going to be tortured. He knew he was going to die. And he said this, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Have you ever had that experience? Have you ever been in a place where you feel that you are crushed with grief? It may be to the point of death, maybe not, but maybe you've experienced that level of grief and loss. And this shows us that Jesus knows exactly what that is like. He completely relates. And you know, his mates really let him down. As he was praying, there's a picture of him praying, they just fell asleep. They kind of left him alone. And maybe you've had that experience of being, feeling completely alone, betrayed by friends, left alone. And Jesus understands that experience too. And so he came back to them and said, come on, wake up. Can't you just be here with me? And it says that he went on a little farther and he bowed down with his face on the ground praying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will not mine. And that's where surrender comes, isn't it? He could have said, well, look, I'm God like you are. I've got rights here. And yet he chose to surrender to God's will. He knew that there was a bigger purpose at play. And then it went on, he went back to his friends, they were sleeping again. And then he came back and he prayed again, my father, if this cup can't be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. And so Jesus surrendered. Jesus set aside his preferences and his rights, knowing that by dying, he was going to bring life and hope to us. He had us in mind when that happened. And so the next question is, well, so if we think about that on Easter Sunday, what has baptism got to do with it? We've got Rachel and Elijah being baptized shortly. Well, what it has to do with it is that because of Jesus' death and his resurrection, he actually came with a message. He came part of God's big story. And the message was this, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. That's what Jesus said. That's the summary of what we call the good news or the gospel. Or another translation of the Bible says this, change your life. God's kingdom is here. God's kingdom is his rule and reign. God's kingdom is the place where he's in charge. You know, the people of God had had this huge story going on for hundreds of years. And this, this moment of the first eater is its long-awaited climax. 
There'd been promises through all these years, through the prophets in the Old Testament, that God was coming, that God had a rescue plan, and that he was opening up the opportunity for us to live under God's rule and reign in a new order of love and justice and peace and prosperity. And that's what Jesus was bringing in. And the thing is that that is available to every one of us. If we repent, that means turn around and turn to God, turn away from the things that are not God's way and turn to God. The kingdom of heaven is near. Other places in the Bible, it says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's a sense that we can just reach out and touch that. And sometimes we experience that amongst us, don't we? Sometimes we experience God's peace and presence as we worship and as we celebrate together. Sometimes we see him healing us or you see him um, opening up stuff to us, revealing things to us. Rich Velodis, who's a, a, a pastor in the States, says this, the gospel is the good news that God's kingdom has come near through Jesus and through his life, death, resurrection and enthronement the powers of satan sin and death no longer have the last word and that is the story of easter sunday the story of resurrection sunday but as paul mentioned we do live in that in between don't we we live in that place where jesus has won the battle but there is still or won the war, but there are still battles raging. And we really look forward to that day when he comes back again, when he returns to bring this kingdom to its completion. So Jesus said that, repent of your sins or change your life, the kingdom is near. And he went on in Romans to describe what happens when we offer God's free gift of forgiveness. Paul in Romans says it's a bit like leaving one country and moving into another one. And so that's where the question, so what baptism has got to do with it? Because when we choose to repent, to turn around from living an old way and choose to live God's way, something goes on inside us. And today, Elijah and Rachel are going to stand up and say that's what happened with them. And being baptised is an outward way of showing what's happened inside them. So baptism into the life of Jesus means this. When we're lowered into the water, it's like when Jesus was buried. And when we're raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. So we get together as church family and as as friends to celebrate the end of the old Rachel and the end of the old Elijah. Because as they come up out of the water, they're going to be new people, new creations. And so the last thing to to wonder about then is knowing this or hearing this today, what is our response going to be? Obviously, they're going to respond by going down to the water meadows and getting dunked. But what about the rest of us? We're not all going to jump. Well, maybe some of us jumping after them. But today the question is, how do each of us respond to this invitation from Jesus, this invitation to come and be part of this big story in his new kingdom? He invited the crowd by saying this, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. And that's what it is to be a Christian or a follower of Jesus. And so today isn't just a once for all moment, a, oh yes, I was baptised on that day on Easter Sunday. 
today for Rachel and for Elijah is the start of a brand new life. And when Nigel and I used to be kids pastors, we used to say to the kids, we don't just follow, choose to follow Jesus one day. We have to choose to follow Jesus every day. And those of you who are followers of Jesus will know that's true. That when you wake up in the morning, you have to decide, am I going to go God's way today or am I going to go my own way? Am I going to say the stuff that just comes into my head that might not be very kind? Or am I going to choose to say the right things? How am I going to spend my money? What am I going to do with my time? All of those decisions are things that we need to make day after day after day. But the wonderful truth is we're not alone as we do that because God sends his Holy Spirit to fill us and help us. And so when Rachel and Elijah go down into the water and come up again, we're going to pray for them that God would fill them and empower them and help them to live his way.